Hi, everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. Welcome back to Just Be. How are you guys doing? Hope and Madi. Good. We're good. Are you ready for our conversation today? Yes. I have a lot of deep thoughts going on in my head. Yeah, I feel pretty well rested. I got like 11 hours of sleep. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. Oh, good. (laughs) You stayed up heckily last night. Although I I kind of flip-flop with you because I stayed up heckily last night. Anyways, we're going to be talking about this today? (laughs) Yes, we need sleep. About... This is not a normal practice for me. I'm actually very good at getting my sleepy sleeps. Well, good. I'm glad you guys are excited to get into our conversation today because I think that this may be one of the deepest conversations that we've had so far on the podcast. Maybe it might be the most vulnerable. Yeah. I think we get pretty deep, but personally vulnerable. I'm starting to feel like it's, it's, what's that word? Like pressure points? I'm starting to feel the points. I'm like, oh. Okay, y'all, we might cry today. So just <laughs> be prepared we did, for that. I'm not going to lie, I didn't think it was going to go in that direction. But anyway, we should try to tell them what we're talking about. It's all mysterious. Yes. So today we're going to get into self-care within the entrepreneurship lifestyle. As you know, we're all entrepreneurs and self-care comes up a lot for us. So it's something that you know, we we need to do to be able to renew our energy, to be able to get ready, you know, to continue on with our, our journeys. Self-care is usually defined as ways to relax. However, we're going to take it a step deeper and talk about self-care as structural inequality that requires societal and personal transformation. So all these big words. <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about how race kind of intersects with our idea of self-care and or lack thereof. We're all full-time entrepreneurs, as I said, and we kind of want to talk about some statistics for black women in general. Um, Studies have shown that women who exercise regularly and eat right get sufficient sleep and find satisfaction in their work uh, and personal lives have less depression and anxiety as well as illness. Black women experience higher rates of cancer as well as other illnesses. One in four black women are uninsured, which is a problem. Uh, 46% of black women over the age of 20 years old experience hypertension. Let's see, we represent 65% of new HIV and AIDS cases per year. Depression rates are estimated to be 50% higher than white women. One in four black women over the age of 55 have diabetes. Women die from heart disease more than any other group in the United States. Or black women, I'm sorry. Die from heart disease more than any other group in the United States. Also, we make up 40% of the homeless population in the United States, which I find ridiculous. And there are only about a quarter of black people who seek out uh, mental health care services compared to 40% of whites. 
uh, there are 25% of black people who seek out health care services compared to 40% of whites. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I don't find that su- too surprising, though. It's not surprising, but it's it's terrible. Like, I am a person that has gone to therapy. Um, I've been in therapy for the last, like, three and a half years, and it has helped so much. I swear, I tell everybody that's going through something, like, oh, you should go see a therapist. You should go talk to somebody. Like, even just talking to someone, no prescriptions. And, I mean, some people might need them, but no prescriptions or anything. Just, like, literally sitting down and talking to someone about the things that are going on in your life is so helpful. Yeah, how do you guys feel about these stats? They make me sad, <laughs> but they are also a reality. Um, I, I'm just sitting here silent, just taking it all in. I'm just going over everything in my head. Like, yep, I knew someone with that. Oh, yeah, I knew a black woman with that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she had that. Yep. The whole time you were uh, reading them, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's rough. And I feel that these statistics are important because usually when we think about self-care, we think about like taking a bath, relaxing, watching your favorite show, reading a book. And self-care needs to be more than that. We need to be aware of how we take care of our mental health and how we take care of our physical health. And preventative care is part of self-care. Getting regular checkups, checking vitals, like monthly breast lump checks, different things like that, exercise, all of those are are really necessary as part of self-care. If your physical health or your mental health is not there, like you're not going to be able to carry on. You're not going to be able to build. You're not going to be able to move forward with, you know, your dreams and ideas and goals. Yeah, but I, what you're speaking to is a lifestyle shift, honestly. It's a personal transformation. Because mm-hmm. if you're not raised that way, then you're not going to do none of that, right? Right. It's like getting by is good enough but I I think that also speaks to why you know a lot of small businesses fail is that we aren't taking care of ourselves and as black women if we are sole proprietors we're the only ones taking care of our businesses then we are we're we're not taking care of ourselves which means that you know we're not going to be able to maintain our businesses if you can't get up out of bed if you can't you know your your mental health is suffering like you're stressed out you have ailments that you're suffering from it's going to make it that much harder for you to be able to achieve your goals for your business yeah I think the hard part for me is that these statistics reflect uh, an historical oppression that say it <laughs> say it and I was you like want to say it I was like <laughs> an historical oppression hashtag slavery hashtag slavery that um <laughs> an intergenerational trauma So what I'm trying to say is that we're predisposed already to these things, right, whether we start a business or not. And I always tell my clients, um, and actually I think it's something that we talked about together, which is that half the battle with entrepreneurship isn't about, isn't logistics or finances necessarily. I mean, having the capital is like, yeah, that would be nice. But the other half of the battle for me is mental. It's psychological. It's dealing with all of the shit I grew up with. And the baggage I have around growing up low income um, and the trauma I have around not being validated going to high school in a white upper class middle, upper white upper middle class community. And I have that stuff with me anyways. And I always tell my clients that this work, entrepreneurship is hella vulnerable. I'm sure y'all know running a business is not, it's going to put your, it's going to trigger your pressure points. Yeah. And so for me, I'm always like, if you if there's any time to get support, is get support while you're starting a business. 
yeah. Like, you're going to need it right now because it's going to push all your buttons. That actually directly relates to our last episode about hiring employees and founder syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I saw in a lot of the people I worked with and for. I saw their stuff coming out, and it was being put on me. And I had to I had to do my self-care to acknowledge that, oh, I don't need to take that. That's actually not mine. I'm going to give it back to you because I was just soaking it all up, and it was making me super depressed and triggering my anxiety. I'm realizing now that this goes hand-in-hand with what we were speaking about the other day with uh, not seeing our time as valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is another thing as well as we sometimes we don't seek the care because we don't see our mental health or our self-care health as valuable. It's directly related. Yeah, it's- all of these things are intersectional. So, I have a couple questions for you ladies. Um on average, how much time do you spend working per week and how much time do you spend on self-care? Ugh. I'm scared to answer. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely depends on the week. It goes week by week, but I probably spend between 45 and 55 hours a week working. And then I probably spend about one hour or two on self-care, maybe. That is not enough. (laughs) I'm like, so many questions. I'm like, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing in those one and two hours? Let's start there. (laughs) And then I have another question. Um, So for one of the hours, I was trying to like meditate for like 15 minutes every morning. So I have a routine where I like get up, I make some coffee, and I sit in this one chair that sits by my window um, in my apartment. And I just try to sit there for 15 minutes. And just zone out, not think about work, not think about friends and family and their issues. Just zone out and really think about myself, what I want for my life, and go from there. So... Do you have technology on you in that chair? Nope. Okay. No technology in that chair. And I know 15 minutes doesn't sound like that long, but it actually has been difficult for me to just sit there for 15 minutes. Like, I have to set a timer. And by the end of, like, the seventh or the eighth minute, I'm, like, looking at the timer like, is this over yet? You know, like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I've been doing that. And then I try to, like, watch one movie a week or, like, one sitcom show where I can just zone out and watch Insecure or uh, Get Your Life on YouTube or... I like also like watching interviews by The Breakfast Club on YouTube. So that's kind of my zone out. What? Self-care. How many days a week do you work? Um, it depends. So I'm a maker and usually, I'm, especially during this time of the year, I'm like selling on the weekends. Usually Saturday and Sunday. And if I work Saturday and Sunday, I try to take Monday off. But I usually don't because those are... Our meeting times for just be <laughs> for just be just throwing my hands up. <laughs> if I don't, I'll try to find some time in the middle of the week. Okay, it do goes you, week by week. Do you have a day that you carve out for yourself, or I guess you talked about your time frames. I don't have a like a particular day. Like I know a girl who is an entrepreneur, and Thursdays she like blocks off completely. She's like, I don't do meetings or. Anything on Thursdays. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't you dare ask me to give up my Thursdays. Like, 
don't do it. So maybe I need to do something a little bit more structured like that. Yeah, I was like, you know, two women because I do that with Sunday. Oh, yeah, I told you on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you do. Like ignore us on Sundays. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but how does that feel? I had to learn. Does that feel good? Are you stressed? Were you stressed out about it at first, and then had to grow into it? Like, no. Tell us that process. No. (laughs) No. Well, it feels great because and it it was very. I feel like it was very subconscious and psychological because, honestly, I think I think humans probably need two days a week minimum i think we need more i think we need three mm-hmm. i think days a week like to re- really get a re- real reboot and i also think that well we've been going to um events really quickly where folks come like these young like startup companies are um doing like sexy things like unlimited pay time off or the 28 days off a year like a full-on month um that's type of stuff i think is way healthier than our current work culture that's what i'm trying to aspire to what happened was I was it, it happened last year. Last year, I think in the fall, I got a new gig um, with the video game tech company I was working for and uh, education company, and I was doing after school programming, and I also still had clients, into one on one clients, and I was meeting them on the weekends, and so I was working six to seven days a week, essentially, right. And even though the client was, like, one hour on a Sunday, I was like, it's fine. It's one hour on a Sunday. Actually, it was, like, two hours. Two hours on a Sunday. And I was like, it's chill. It's fine. And then, um, I don't know. I was just doing that. And then there was a period in time at the after-school program where I just kept crying. Like, I just, like, after class. And I think someone asked me, probably my therapist and other people were like, do you have a day off? And I was like, yeah, Sunday, but I just have one client. And they were like, it's not a day off. So now Sunday is your day off. Yeah, but I think with the goal of reaching two days off someday, I mean, right now it's six days a week, that's fine. And I, and I, in order for it to feel like a real rest, it's like, I don't schedule, I don't even schedule, like, kick it things on that day. So it, it was like a really deep moment of, oh, you're, I didn't know why I was sad. And it was like, you're sad because you don't have a break. Like, your body is like, you're, it was like my body has its own brain. And it was like, nah, I need a break. Do you uh, um, allow technology on Sundays as well? Um, good question. I make sure to not to do minimal technology. I'm not the best at it, 100, percent because because I like to play video games. And but that's a play time. That's not like answering emails or returning phone calls or anything like that. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good about it. But I kind of want to be. I really. I try to be like mostly 50 percent of the day is like zero tech. I have a question for you guys. Like, when you take time for yourself, do you count... So I know, Hope, you just said, like, you don't plan anything, right? So I was having a conversation with Miguel a few weeks ago, and he was like, oh, we just we just went out with, you know, so-and-so. We just hung out with these people. Like, you know, we were spending time together. Now I need, like, time to myself to play video games. And I was like, no, no, no. That wasn't, like, time together, right? That was time that we're spending with other people. And so I feel like it's the same way with, with like, one person, right? Oh, yeah. When you plan things with your friends and it's fun and you're going out and you're eating, like, do you count that as self-care or is self-care, like, no, I'm going to sit down with myself and I'm going to do something that I enjoy without the company of, like, other people? Does that Does the company of other people still feel like energy that's going out instead of coming in? That's a great question. Yeah. 
I'm going to say no. That still feels like energy going out, mm-hmm. giving attention to other people. I don't think that's self-care. Like, I like, I'm like i a Virgo, so we like a lot of alone time. <laughs> oh, my God, it is. <laughs> oh, wait. Marcel's a Virgo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for me, that's not, that doesn't feel like self-care. That feels like I'm hanging out. Yeah, that's how it feels to me, too. I don't, I mean, I'm an extrovert, so extroverts get their energy from being around people, mostly, but I do have a threshold. My threshold is just that I need my alone time, my alone time reboot is like two hours versus like I need an entire day, and then I can go back out again. What you just described made me think of something else, which is that Marcel and I have a, a date day together because we're, we are, our schedules are opposite, but, so that, we call it Bay Day, which is cute. Um, I don't like to be cutesy, so I'm like, uh. I, but I have been told that I need to have time to myself, self, like, without him. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. I'm going to be honest. Okay. So how many hours a week do you spend working? That's a good question. I'm all, like, looking at my nails, like, like, I don't want to answer that. All of the things. <laughs> I don't want to answer that question. No. Um, well, let's see. During the busy season, probably 50 to 60 hours. Well, nah, probably 50, because I'm very, I don't vend on Sunday, like, I don't, you know me and vending, I'm strategic, I'm not driving nowhere out of town, not unless it's real important for vending on the busy season, 60 if it's stupid, this is a stupid week, so I'm probably doing, I know I'm doing too much, I can feel it in my body, but on average, I calculated, I did like my little chart thing, and I definitely work like 45 on average. Okay, and then you take a 24-hour reprieve mm-hmm that's good but I need more well it's good that you have a start there I do not have a start <laughs> yeah what well, how many hours a week do you work I probably work between like 50 and 60 wow because I work at home and so everything's on my kitchen table you know we have we each have our own businesses and we have this business and so now this business is taking up more time as we are planning for all of these wonderful things that we're doing But right now I'm in the thick of my busy season. And then I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? I've been in the thick of my busy season since like April. I'm tired. Now that my booze away, I used to, I'd say before he moved, I would carve out time. I'm like, no, okay, after this amount, when he gets home from work, I'm done working. We're going to hang out and do something and I'm going to relax. And I feel like time was less stressful But now that he's not there, I'm like, oh, it's just me and the dog. And now I can, like, finish this and that and work on this. And I need to do this. And I'll be up until 3 in the morning. And then I got to get back up at 8. So, Um, And then it just depends on, like, what I'm doing. So during the week now is my work time. And then on the weekends I vend. I'm tired. And I don't take time for myself. (laughs) Is it possible for you to take one day off a week? Like, I'm, you know, like the militant Sunday strategy or whatever? Presently, no. Is um, it because you're vending on Sundays? This is I vend on the weekends, and then during the week I have to make everything, and it depends on how the events go. So if they're good, then I have to, you know, continue to work during the week. If we have stuff coming up, then I have to, you know, make time for that as well. So it's making me sad. I know. I'm sorry I'm depressing. No. <laughs> I'm just like, how are, we, how are we going to do this? I mean, definitely the getting your val- your time back value for hiring people is a good idea. Yeah. But I also think that it's deep because we're all sole proprietors, right, in our, our businesses. Mm-hmm. As a sole proprietor, it's figuring out 
how to model it yourself first. Because if you can't model it for yourself before you have employees, I noticed that s- people who manage will project their work ethic onto their employees. Mm-hmm. The best advice I heard from somebody uh, speak about that is they say you can always tell if somebody has good management and leadership skills if you just take a look at their life. If their life is out of order oh, and crazy, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be a good manager. They're not going to be a good leader. Right. They can't even manage their own life. Mm-hmm. How, do you, right how are they going to manage you? <laughs> That's good. That's good to keep in mind. What do you guys do to, like, relax? So you said you sit in a chair for 15 minutes. I try to sit in a chair every morning for 15 minutes with a cup of coffee. Oh, this is every morning? Yeah. Oh. It sounds easy, and I I think you should try it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's only 15 minutes, but you would be surprised how difficult sitting silent with nothing for 15 minutes is. Like no music? Like no music. I just sit next to the window, I have my cup of coffee, and not only is it the time that's difficult, it's the clearing of your mind that's difficult. So don't think about work, don't think about what anybody else wants, think about solely about what you want for 15 minutes. I think, well, at the start of the year and for the last three years, that's something that I did like a few times a week where I'd meditate, so I'd put music on. And I would light my Palo Santo or my sage, and I'm, like, you know, blessing myself. And I'd sit for about 45 minutes. Wow. And, like, that feels good. (laughs) Like, that feels good to, like, sit there for 45 minutes and, like, just do nothing but focus or clear. Now I just feel like I don't have that time. I feel like I'm, like, not – I feel like I could be doing so much more for my business in those, like, 45 minutes. Wow. Multiple times a week. And so when I get up, I'm just on the go. I'm like, oh, nope, got to go do this. I have to start on this. I have to finish this. I have to drive here. I have to go here. Well, yeah. maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's like what Camila said is is reducing it down to a smaller time frame, even if it's 10 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. they say five minutes, three minutes work fine. Wow. Honestly, yeah. But because 45 minutes sounds, it's daunting. Like, you know, you don't want to overwhelm yourself with self-care. <laughs> then self-care is stressing you out. No, I'm just too No, mean. 45 minutes is good. So, like, I would do it for, like, an hour and a half. Like, sometimes I get lost in there, and then I'm just like, oh, the 45 minutes is up already? Oh, my God. So, 15 minutes seems like that. Like, not enough. Teach me well, your ways, it- <laughs> Maddie. Teach me your ways. Oh, it took a minute to get there. It took a minute. But if it's 45 minutes versus nothing? Yeah. Like what? Where I need to find a balance. Yeah, where's yeah. the give there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a I have a question I would like to ask you guys to answer with this question about what do you do to relax and unwind. Both of you spoke about you can feel it when you need to relax or unwind. Can you describe what that feels like, and then tell me what you do to relax and unwind? Because both of you were like, oh, I can tell when I need a break. I can feel it. Like what? It, what is that feeling? What is, what is happening that you exhaust? Okay, <laughs> Got I it. feel exhausted. <laughs> I feel exhausted and frustrated, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit down. I'm okay, just, I can't do anymore. I cannot do anymore. My body is just gonna like break down in like 45 minutes if I don't just sit down. Okay, and then what do you do to relax and unwind when you feel that sleep? Okay, because <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my things that I noticed, I call it, I'm like, my key performance indicators of if I'm overwhelmed, no, I'm just teasing, um, are if I f- 
feel if going to the bathroom, okay. eating, or showering feels like a nuisance, I'm doing too much. Oh, because okay. well, the, I'll pick on the bathroom because you know in the bathroom you take your phone with you, or if you real cray cray you take your laptop. I had an ex who took his laptop in there, and <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. it was like no time to spare. Exactly. <laughs> So like if you're if you're in that situation where you, I like I literally would like in college I was doing so much and like trying to get papers in that I would be like uh I have to go to the bathroom I don't have time for that uh, let me do some more stuff damn it I gotta go back. I fucking hate it. and then I was like what the hell you you have to go it's a natural reaction you are arguing with the bathroom you were doing too much woman so that was like a really big flag those are the those are my flags my personal flags and I've learned them where I'm like oop back it up you need to cut something out of your schedule if, okay. if those are. If you're starting to feel annoyed about having to do basic human things, that's not cool. The other um, things I've noticed with myself, well, tension in my shoulders and my body. Like, you can feel it. It's like, I call it like the video game meter. I can feel my meter. I have a long fuse, but when it gets here, it's just like... It's in the red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you see a red... Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I could feel... Like, I could feel it. Definitely crying and breakdowns is also a huge... Um, sign and indicator that some, there needs to be a shift. Now that you're talking about like physical things, right? I'm like I get pimples. I start you see it right now. <laughs> I get like one or two random pimples, and I'm like, oh, I'm stressed out. Okay, I need to I need to do something for myself. What about for you? Uh, when you were saying that about the bodily functions part, that's so true because sometimes I get in a zone where I'm working, I literally forget to do stuff. Hours will go by and I'll be like, oh, I forgot to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I forgot to eat. You know. Yeah, eating can zip a lot sometimes. Seven or eight hours have passed. I haven't eaten anything all day. It's six o'clock in the afternoon and I literally haven't eaten one thing because I've just been zoned out doing something. So what do you do to relax? Well, recently I got back from that retreat in New York. The Women of Color Retreat was standing in our power. And Wow. Uh, side note, retreats need to be a part of my life, but I would recommend them for any woman of color because it was, it really took me to get out of my, I need to get out of my environment, out of the city life. So I would highly recommend that for anybody. So I, some of the takeaways from that retreat, it was very um, spiritual and healing and kind of dissecting trauma and holding trauma for other women of color um, is meditation. And we started meditating there. And so I came... When I come back from that environment, I'm very aware of how easy it is to just feel really... I always feel anxious when I come back into the Oakland and the hustle. And I was like, I need to keep something from that with me. Otherwise, I'm just going to revert back. So I've I've also been meditating. I do it for 15 minutes as well. And, you know, the difference is... It's hard, right? Like, it's not as easy as it sounds. Well, for me, anyway. No, it is hard. Actually, before I left for the retreat, I was trying to do three-minute meditations with this app I have. And it it was hard. But when I went on the retreat, I came back and it was... I was, like, reconnected with my spirituality. And, like, things were better aligned. And I was able to do it in a way that felt like I wasn't missing out. Like, it was just like, no, this is, like, what you need to do. It's actually going to elevate you. But the deep thing that I like about folks who've described meditation to me is that for me, it's actually not about clearing my mind because you can't, it's, it's actually about acknowledging the thoughts and then letting it go, like a visual. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm, think, oh. I'm thinking about just me and I need to get that ad on Instagram. Okay, all right, hope, let it go. And then eventually it will calm down. Oh. Yeah. 
And that helps a lot. And then I started doing affirmations. So I do deep breaths where you breathe in and you let it out. We were doing it at the retreat. And I breathe, you know, I breathe in like abundance. I breathe out fear and anxiety or whatever is on my mind that's irritating me and mm-hmm. causing me anxiety. That has really helped a whole lot. Or like repeating something over and over again. Something affirmative, like positive over and over again helps to like clear it out. I always imagine like sitting, I'm sitting in a circle and then I imagine all of the thoughts are like people. And so I have like a thousand people just standing around me really close. And then as I'm sitting there and I'm like in this very like white space, like not white people, but like just a white color space. And I start like pushing the people back and back and back and back and back and back. And I'm pushing all the thoughts and the people like further and further away from me until they're like really far away and I can't really see faces anymore. And then I know I'm clear and I can just like sit there by myself. I'm just in this space by myself and I can see everything, but not have to think about anything. Oh, that's good. One thing that it might be hard for you, Camila, but <laughs> I'm thinking on you is that for the when you said white space, the in the healing retreats, they always say to wear light colors and that dark colors are heavy on your spirit oh. and your aura, yeah. But you like white. You're black like, and white. So yeah, you can do white. I, I can wear white. I mean just during meditation time. Oh. Yeah. And you could just do it secretly, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> well, I'm like I have some I have like these my pajamas are like light green so i was like oh yeah they is there even, a difference when i wear those pajamas versus <laughs> they just say energy wise our flow if you believe in that stuff um but they also they even say like undergarments like keep it light like yeah or sometimes i oh. sorry guys sometimes i meditate naked like i get out of the shower and then i'm just like i just need to be completely clear of everything like nothing yeah. on me oh and that that also feels really nice but not when it's cold only when it's warm <laughs> Oh, I'm going to try that. I, I mean, I'm not going to... Yeah, so I need to work window. on nudity. I'm, like, a struggle. Really? I want to end... I want to try, like, uh, nude yoga. Oh. I feel like that is really also very freeing. Like, we always have clothes on, and I feel like, you know, in order what? to, like, kind of let go of, like, these things, like, being literally completely free of, like, anything on you, feel like, it feels amazing. That would be the ultimate for me because, first of all, I couldn't even enjoy yoga, <laughs> let alone nude yoga. The whole time I was sitting at yoga, and you know they do that thing, clear your mind, free yourself. I could not stop thinking about my purse in that cubby. <coughs> oh, in no, not in front. front of people, but just, like, privately by yourself. Oh, oh no, like not nude, nude yoga, yoga with okay. other people. I'm not, like, you get sweaty and hot and gross. I'm not trying to smell people. <laughs> That's what I knew. Oh, was I difficult. thought you meant collectively no, too. No, 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 no. I'm sure it exists somewhere. Oh. Oh. I mean, like in your own space, like with yourself, having like a session. Oh, of you okay, yoga. but this is, but but hey, but I do think that being naked around people is there's some liberation there that's hard to unpack. Because have yes. you ever been to a spa where you're like topless or you went to a community spa? I've I have done, not. Oh, okay. I've done some stuff like that. I've been in the dressing room at the YMCA. I don't know if that. (laughs) (laughs) In the women's dressing room at the YMCA. I don't know if that. I feel like this is a good challenge. So we're going to take a break real quick and we'll be right back. Enjoy the music.
back. Did you enjoy the music, like Marty said? <laughs> um, so we are going to talk about the strong black woman stereotype. I don't know why I feel like it just has to be said like that because I feel like I've heard like, somebody. Oh. Yeah, like that the strong awesome black woman uh, stereotype and how that shows up in our lives. Um, so Dr. Tamara explores the myth of the strong black woman, the superwoman who is expected to endure Herculean mental, physical, and spiritual triumph despite all the odds. This came to us from an article that we found on the Feminist Wire uh, titled Subversive Self-Care, Centering Black Women's Wellness by Dr. Shanisa Brooks Tatum. The strong black woman uh, stereotype is related to healthcare because it insinuates that you have to be strong enough to endure everything. So no matter if you are hurt, if you are stressed out, if you are experiencing depression or anything like that, you're a black woman. You have to be a strong black woman and strong enough to take that. And keep going. Mm-hmm. That's why that stereotype is so dangerous I feel yeah I don't know any other way to describe it except for just dangerous it's a good reminder I think because I think there's also a lot of pride in it too I don't know I speak for myself I feel like there's a lot of pride in like being an independent woman but it's a good reminder of how it also makes black women invisible often in statistics and health outcomes a movement called hashtag say her name have you guys heard about the say her name movement and the um, breaking the silence town hall that happens in oakland every year no i've heard of hashtag say her name um it's a so it's part of a campaign by dr kimberly crenshaw from la who okay. um side note she is known for writing um the intersectionality of race and gender in the law she started this campaign to bring light specifically to black girls and black women's outcomes with police brutality. Because when um, the Obama, President Obama um, era policy came out around, um, what was the policy for the Young Men of Color? Oh, the Young Men of Color Initiative, I think is what it was called. You remember when they announced it nationally? I remember the, I don't remember it being called the Young Men of Color Initiative. Like another, my Brother's Keeper. My Brother's Keeper, thank you. My Brother's Keeper is the federal program, and then here in Oakland we have a we have a Young Men of Color initiative here. A lot of feminist folks like Angela Davis, Kimberly Crenshaw, like folks like came out and called them out because they were like, what about the black girls? Right. And statistically our outcomes are the same around dropout rates and disciplinary rates and the school-to-prison pipeline and... And well, and then we also additionally have to have to deal with sexual assault and stuff. So their whole thing is about how that that oftentimes that archetype makes us invisible in the healthcare conversation and in the policy conversation, public health conversation. And that's that's what that makes me think about that. I definitely believe that because just to show a little or speak a little bit to a, about us preparing for this episode. We had a difficult time finding statistics on black women's mental health care mm. just for this episode. So I definitely think that that is true. And you were saying that article said that it's hard to find that information. Yeah. 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 That article was the only statistics, numerical statistics I was able to find. 
Yeah, I did find things on overall, like uh, the black community overall for mental health. But even then, it was minimal. It wasn't really in depth about what kinds of treatments, what kind of of people or what people seek mental health services for. The statistics and numbers were low. Yeah, like the number of them to find them. The number of articles that I found mm-hmm. and then the number of, of people that end up going. As we stated earlier, there was only about 25% of um, the black community that ends up seeking out mel- mental health services. Yeah, and 40% of black women struggle with depression compared to white women, right? And that stat came from that article. Yeah. This makes me think about something in a psychology class that I had taken in college. I had a teacher tell me that psychology and the study of mental health was in its infancy. And if that was the case for the study of mental health for white people, then that means that as for black people, our study is in conception, probably, because... (laughs) Well, actually... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So Miguel is uh, soon to be Dr. Frank in uh, as a clinical psychologist. And we often have conversations about mental health and the black community, the brown community, um, because he is also black and Mexican. And right now he's serving or he's he's um, working on his internship. So the last thing he has to do before he um, is Dr. Frank. And a lot of the things that come up are, you know, how how he does therapy with black and brown people versus how his um, supervisors end up telling him, like, oh, you should do this, you should do that differently. And a lot of times he struggles with, like, how, how do I make those two things click? Because he connects naturally with black and brown folks when they come in. And I think it's because he does therapy a little bit differently. It's not by the book. And by the book is written by white people. Right. For white people. Mm-hmm. And so it is a little different when you're talking to different groups of brown folks, different groups of black people, and, like, where they come from and relating to them as black people. And so I feel like, you know, the the field of psychology, the field of um, psychiatry is written by white people, and it... it you're right. It, it is in its infancy in exploring how then we deal with people of color. Right. Yeah, and I was just going to add that the statistic about um, black folks not reaching out for health care services at the same rate is about, well, it's about historical oppression. I'm sorry. And actually, could you read the stat? It's in there. There was a statistic that black women are 50% more likely to suffer from depression than white women. Yeah, and a quarter of black people seek out mental health services compared to 40% of white. Yeah, that's the stat. Okay. So it is them seeking it out. It says, according to the report, yeah, only 25% of black folks will seek out health care services compared to 40%. And, I mean, I bring it up because it's not a judgment. It's, It's institutional oppression. Like, it's so normalized for us the way that we're treated in that implicit bias in healthcare that for black people, they don't even want to engage with the system at all. Yeah, but to answer your question about mental mental health, you said how did what was our how did we first get introduced to it? Uh, what was your introduction to it, and what is your relationship with it now? Yeah, my introduction was pretty young. My parents ended up uh, divorcing when I was seven, and so I remember seeing yeah a, a child psychologist for maybe a month when I was seven, and then. 
again when I was 16. I felt overwhelmed with school and expectations and getting ready for college and college prep and trying to keep my grades up and dealing with boys and (laughs) all of those things. So my parents um, put me into some sessions for about a month again when I was 24, no, 25. I went for myself. My mother has gone to um, see you know, therapists. My grandmother also has gone to see therapists. And so it wasn't a huge thing to say, maybe you should also seek out these services as well, like in my family. Oh, you had some great examples mm-hmm. of women taking care of themselves. Right. That's awesome. What about you? And what, wait, I just oh. want to ask you, and what do you do for mental health now? Oh, so, well, I haven't been to see her in a couple of months because it's been busy, but um, for the last three and a half, four years, I've gone to see a, a therapist in the city. Her name is Anne, and she's wonderful. I love you, Anne. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I, I went to see her when I was at, like, my most depressed state. I was looking for a job. I had been looking for a job for a year and a half. Mm. Um, I, I had just started my business. I had just broken up with an ex, and I was feeling just really depressed and sad. Like, my mother had to come in my room and shake me out of the bed. She was like, get up and do something. I can't see you like this anymore. And I'm like, I don't want to feel like this. And I went to see her, and I told her the first day I was there. I'm like, look, I'm here. I know that you've helped, you know, many other people in, in my inner and outer circle, And, you know, I want to feel better. I don't want to feel like this. I want to be really great. I want to get rid of the old things that I'm carrying with me. I I don't want to feel like this. And I want to clear as much of this bullshit out as I can. So that way I don't hand it over to my children. And it's helped me to be able to navigate my business. It's helped me to be able to navigate my relationships with my family and my my boo. Yeah, I, I don't know where I would be without therapy. Did Anne help you? You said you went when you were looking for work. Did she, like, help you start your business or, like, kind of, like, help you? No, my business had already been started, but I was, it was in its, like, six months of my business. But that's also very scary, you know, when you, I mean, as you guys know, when you go in full time and you're just like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, that is very scary. And then trying to navigate and figure out how you're going to do this, how you're going to make it work financially. And, like, the stresses that come with that alone are a lot. Uh, you know, not to not to mention all the things that you have to deal with in life then. So therapy empowered you to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helped me process a lot. She was, like, really helpful in that. Mainly, though, I went to, to seek her out just for, like, my personal things. And it, it's really helped to untangle a lot. I don't feel tangled emotionally anymore. That's awesome. Mm, I want to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, two out of three of us are like, we're on the therapy train. I'm definitely like, Monty, I'm like the therapy evangelist. But like social justice therapy with like, well, I have a, my therapist is black and Filipino and like, her name's Shawnee. I'll give her a shout out. You're amazing. Yeah. Um, so what was your introduction to mental health? My mom doesn't know this story. I'm going to be transparent with y'all. Ooh, I might get emotional. It was not, it didn't feel safe for me to get access to therapy. And I needed it as a kid. So the first time I actually saw a therapist was when I was in junior high. So in junior high um, and high school, as I got older, I realized that I was dealing with, I think, chronic depression. 
I used to cry in the bathrooms um, almost every day. No, I'm going to cry. That sounds <laughs> awful. Yeah. Well, but it, it's crying is actually really important for our bodies. It's a release. Yes. And it helps us not have cancer. It, it can, literally releases toxins yeah. from your body. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Okay, I'm going to go cry today. I know. <laughs> uh, it does. It does. I was like, in Camila's words, it will help you not die. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't die. Don't die. Cry. You know, and, like, mm-hmm. one of my mentors that I connected with later in life also has a similar story of it, the years she spent crying, and she was surviving trauma. And so, like, when I heard her story, I was like, okay, it's, like, no, it's normal to, it wasn't, because I thought it was abnormal, and I would cry. I had a ritual. I would go to the bathroom. I would cry. I would shame myself for crying, and then I would cry more because it was like, what's the matter with you? Something's wrong with you. So it was, like, this ritual. Anywho, in junior high, I, um, I think a teacher connected with me or assessed me or something because or maybe I reached out for help I'm not quite sure I was really stressed out and I was really I felt very alone the I I ate lunch alone a lot and I mean I needed to like this is part of my process but there was a lot of people being like you're a downer you're depressing like there was just like no community I didn't have anyone in junior high they ended up putting me together with uh, um uh, I went to middle school and high school in Davis, where UC Davis is, so it's connected to the university. So they had some therapy, pro bono therapy, like students or whomever come, and one of them came to talk to me at the middle school, and we had a couple sessions, and I think I spent most of the time crying and talking about how I wasn't supposed to be in that session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was going to be embarrassing for my mom. <laughs> there was a lot of shame, you know, of like, <laughs> and being in a white community growing up poor it's like if you talk bad about your mom or your parents they're going to be taken away oh that's traumatic and and that's the um and that's like a real reality you know what I mean like our kids deal with that regularly you know I've served hella young people who have had that fear of asking for help and it's you know the institution is gonna misinterpret it and you know take you away or whatever so um, it was good that I seeked help, right? And it was probably a lot, it probably would have been better for me to continue going since I was a kid or whatever, but I ended up, like, you know, like, not doing that, <laughs> not continuing. I don't know what happened. I, like, flaked out or, like, ran away uh, from that. I was like, nope. And then when I got older to college, Santa Cruz, getting away from, you know, expanding my environment and connecting with my community and finding my people, you know, I started connecting with other women of color and queer folks who and female-bodied individuals who had similar experiences as me, and it was normal. Like, we could talk about it, and it was normal. It wasn't weird, and people could talk about getting help. And, you know, so I started, um, I think, connecting to that in Santa Cruz a little bit. And then when I graduated and I came to the Bay, then I was able to take advantage of um, the Women's Therapy Center. So I'll give a shout-out to the Women's Therapy Center. It's it's popular. It's pretty well known in the community because it's sliding scale um, services, and it's it's for women of color and queer folks, which is like it's so necessary. And I remember the first time I mentioned it to my mom. Um, now, like my parents and I, I could talk more about how they react now. Now it's a lot more healthier and how we talk about it. And I bring it up in conversation regularly on purpose. I don't know if they know that that's happening, but I do. So when I first told. Um, my mom that I was going to therapy, and I remember this. I don't, I don't know if she'll remember, but I will never forget it. Uh, my mom is, like, a beautiful person, like, super hippie, loving, right? And her tone went from, like, you know, oh, yeah, 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 to why? 
and my heart, I was already apprehensive to tell her, and my heart just dropped. But I knew why. The why was about her. And about that fear, again, that I described as a kid in junior high of, like, you're going to be talking about me, and it's going to be bad about me. So now um, when we talk, you know, I throw it in, like, oh, my therapist, and yeah, and, like, we'll talk about life lessons, and they're like, oh, okay. And then we've come a long way as, as parents and family and my relationship with them and talking about it, and it's more, I think it's more normalized whether or not they go, they're not, they don't go, right? That's still, like, a whole another level. But I want them to know that I go and, like, that that's something I value. Yeah. And... What what was your introduction, Camila? My introduction was no introduction. My introduction was pray about it, drink some water, and exercise. And, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> which I feel like is a lot of people's introduction, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I remember in high school, I was very depressed. I was really going through something and I remember I would I kept telling my mom I'm going through something I feel it and she was like oh growth is hard growing up is hard you know you need to pray about it you need to drink more water and you know she would say things like that but it was never like do you want to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you feel depressed are you having naming it yeah it was well you're not going through anything different you're just growing. Mm. You're growing up. Mm-hmm. That's what she used to say all the time. Oh, you're growing up. I'm like, no, but I cry every day. Is that part of growing up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Is this what growing up is? Um, so I never dealt with it uh, when I was in high school. And then when I was in my early to mid-20s, I had gone through a divorce. And I was having a really difficult time because I had just exited a toxic relationship. And you don't get out of that and just be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a friend who was seeing a therapist. And it's also when I had started thinking about entrepreneurship around the same time. And I had a friend who was seeing a therapist who specialized in entrepreneurs. And I was like, oh, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, I can keep it about business and it won't get too deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he recognized that immediately and put that the business part to the side and was like, you have a lot of work that you need to do before you can go into business. So he was very excellent. His name is Sergio. He's over in Marin, and he's awesome. Why are y'all going to Marin? (laughs) My therapist is in Oakland and Berkeley, and she's black. Sergio, I believe, is an Italian man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Anne is uh, Spanish and um, Swiss. Okay. Sergio was an Italian man, and he was phenomenal. And he even was able to tell that I was a little woo-woo, that I was into, like, you know, maybe some different type of, like, spiritual therapy with burning candles and (laughs) using sage. And he even kind of incorporated that into my therapy as well, which was great because he recognized that me. He was like, this is who you are. Mm. Use this for Mm -hmm. your mental health. Yeah. Don't 
shun it anymore. I don't care what people tell you about it. Mm. Use it. This is what makes you happy. Nice. Um, so he was very good in that way. And we definitely did some different types of therapy with that. But that was my introduction to mental health. And then right now, I'm currently not seeing anybody. I would like to... Hope and Madi have both told me about their therapist and that they're great. So I will probably uh, reach out to one of them and start getting my mental health back together for myself personally. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a... I was debating on if I was going to say this or not. I was about to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a couples therapist with my boyfriend, which has also been fantastic, but... Being in that process has shown me that I need to work on my own shit alone mm-hmm. uh, outside of our relationship as well. Yeah, and couples therapy is real. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Just because I read a lot of articles about how our generation, like the millennial generation, is doing it a lot more, and mm-hmm. people are getting a couples therapy before they're married, and there's like all these stereotypes about you do it when you're married and all this stuff. And I did it briefly as well. So I did it briefly when I was like 19. Oh. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Four months. When you said your you said your partner, Miguel, he also or Dr. Frank, rather. Dr. Frank. No, um, Miguel. (laughs) Has done partners therapy with middle school students? He was actually last year working at a middle school. And so then he had like a little group of like therapy with middle middle school students and he started off with like two female clients. And then they wanted to bring their boyfriends in, so then he just he would just have like a little group and would talk to them. But he he went in with the idea of not trying to help them work out their relationships now because you're in middle school. But he's like, I want to help these children like have, view men of color positively, but then also have a good idea of like what to look for as they're growing and as they're moving into new relationships and as they're growing into adults because... Um, you know, they don't usually get mental health services at that age, but then they usually don't get any idea, especially if you don't have males in the household, like of what a man needs to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's like, I'm going to be that positive person. And then I'm also going to share with them, you know, what I would want my daughters to know at that age, you know? Yeah. And coming from the perspective of somebody in clinical psychology. I think that's awesome, too, that it's starting them to be comfortable with talking to someone else as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are, well, as, well I'm just going to assume that you're an entrepreneur, ladies, if you're listening. Um, but we highly recommend seeking out mental health services. It's very helpful in your process as an entrepreneur because you get to unpack some of the, you know, the things that you're carrying just personally. But those do work them work their way into how you run your business and you know your worthiness around running your business and being able to just make you stronger and move forward with with intent and integrity yeah and if you need resources we can include some resources on our show notes i have therapy resources locally for the bay area but i also have um i think there's like a national app too that we can throw on there for women listening who are across the country but um and just anyone, but we can also provide resources, um, sliding scale resources as well, because I know one of the biggest barriers is financial. Yeah. But let's uh, we get, take a break. Get your mental health on.
right, y'all. Welcome back. We are at our segment of Tell Me Why, our self-care edition. And I'd like to ask you ladies, you know, what your Tell Me Why self-care is. Like, what do you plan to do going forward to help yourselves and take care of yourselves better? Yeah, deepen our self-care. Well, I think in this episode I've learned that I need to get my ass a therapist and so get my, tell me why I need to get my ass. No, yeah, tell me why I need to get my ass back in therapy. Um, no, because it, it was really good for me, and it's something that I would like to start up again. So tell me why I'm going to go back into therapy. And then for myself this week, what I'm going to do for a little self-care is I'm going to treat myself to the movies tomorrow, and I'm going to IMAX 3D, which I like to do, and I'm going to get a big-ass thing of popcorn, and I'm going to sit by myself and watch an almost three-hour movie. All right. Also, I love movie popcorn. I love movie. Sometimes I'll just stop at the movies <laughs> just to get popcorn what? and go home. <laughs> That's like a legit love. Yes. I, I was love like, I love it too. But then I was like, popcorn. hold up. No, I, I stop and get popcorn and get back in my Without car. Without going go to see a movie? <laughs> yes. That is a great fun fact. Oh, that is. I love that. Fun fact, Maddie loves popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> fun fact, you can get popcorn and leave. <laughs> my brain. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, you know, we will check in on you for accountability and as long as you're okay with that. As yes. long as you're okay with okay. that. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would like that. All right. Hope, what you going to do? Tell me why. Okay. Tell me why. Tell me why I am thinking about the rock climbing gym. I don't. I know that's random, Ooh. but it's been on my mind. And mm-hmm. I need to do exercise, but I feel like... I feel like I need to mix it up and, like, there's a rock climbing gym down the street, actually. So I think I need to mix it up and just, like, <laughs> I feel like I need to do some, like, aggressive exercising. <laughs> just imagine myself being all crazy. So tell me why I need to go to the rock climbing gym and try it out. I mean, I really just need to do exercise. Trying. And then the other tell me why that's a little bit more personal that I think came out of this episode for me is that um, tell me why I need to reconnect with my mom and talk to her about some of the real life stuff. Um that came out in this episode, but it also came out in the retreat. So tell me why I want to deepen my relationship with my mama. That's, That's a good great. Tell me why. Yeah, that is. What about for you, Maddie? Tell me why I need to sleep. <laughs> 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 no, I think what's come in the last couple episodes for me is that I need to really um, reevaluate how I'm spending my time, how much time I'm spending on my business, and... Um, I do need to take a day just for myself where I'm not doing anything. So I will be planning a day where it's just Madi day and, you know, hiring someone because I feel like that is going to help me out. I'm at that stage in my business where I cannot continue doing everything myself now. Mm-hmm. So tell me why I'm going to hire someone. Yay! Can we check in with you? <laughs> yes, of course. Hiring cool. and self-care day. Done. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You know, it's been a pleasure. We cried a little. We laughed a little. And we're really excited for next week's episode. So we will see you then. Yes. Thank you. Sending you all the love and self-care vibes. And if you want, you can leave us in the review section of your Tell Me Why, what you did for your self-care. Yeah. That would be fabulous. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to our show. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget to share us with your friends because you know at least one black woman entrepreneur. And you know they're going to love us. So you can find us at justbeoak.com and on all the social media as Just Be Oak. You can find us individually as at FTD Collective, at Azteca Negra, and at Rich and Riot. Awesome. And we would like to do a few thank yous. First, we'd like to thank United Roots and Green Eyed Media for our recording space and equipment. We'd also like to thank our beat makers, Brother Ajman and Vinnie Bells. And we'd like to thank y'all, our listeners. Y'all are so awesome. Gracias. You can find all the info from today's show in our show notes. Just look below. And we will see y'all next week. Holla. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>